welcome to Interdisciplinary, Hillwell's healthcare podcast, where we say the things out loud, we say the quiet parts loud, and we uh, talk about what it's like to be a people who takes care of other people. I am Rebecca Sturgeon. I'm Hillwell's education director, joined here today by Carrie Jordan and Corey Rivera. And uh, today we are going to have a rip-roaring discussion about mental health in the treatment room. But first... We know why you're really here. You're really here to become a Patreon, right? Right? Yeah, right. there's some awesome stuff in the Patreon right now. Some some good old documentary fun, a uh, little wisdom or cookie. Um, you can support Interdisciplinary if you go to patreon.com slash interdisciplinary, or you can take that dollar and, I don't know, go get a candy bar, up to you. So then you um, won't get a cool sticker. You will not get a cool sticker. And, you know, if you use a dollar for a candy bar, you end up with trash. Uh, (laughs) True story. Just saying. Um, But first, because we are obligated by law, here is (laughs) (laughs) today's today's pun. Uh, So today's pun is science-based, of course. Uh, In the news uh, recently, scientists are studying the effects of cannabis on seabirds. They've left no turn unstoned. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this says a lot about me, but I'm mildly disappointed that there was no poop in that joke. Next time. (laughs) They can't all be. Okay. It's true. Okay. So you guys, I am so excited about this topic because I feel like this, um, I feel like we're going to, we're going to say some of the quiet stuff loud today. Right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that this, this topic is so hard for massage therapists, but I want to remind everybody that this show is called interdisciplinary. And I think it's not just massage therapists that get stuck in the kind of conundrum we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and I, I wonder if if either of you feel that you can articulate the conundrum that we're going to get stuck in today. Uh, yeah, I well, I mean, there's lots of them, right? So I think the really big one is scope of practice. That's where everyone gets really shifty about things. Um, and whether or not you are trained to deal with mental illness and whether or not you're allowed to deal with people's mental illness and whether you can even recognize it and what you would do about it if you got there and what you can be sued for, <laughs> um, if any of that comes up, because this is America and that's always a possibility. And no one seems to have any answers. And my personal big answer to that is that everybody has mental health and pretending that everybody does not have mental health and therefore the potential for mental illness is uh, sticking your head in the sand. <laughs> and that's ridiculous. Yeah, well, I, I think that's a good point too. And it's, it's, it, it's not just what we might define as mental illness, but just mental um, suffering mm-hmm. of any kind um, that I think, because I think it might be easy. I don't want um, people to, to get all comfortable thinking of, thinking that oh no no I don't I don't see any mental illness but uh, okay yeah. first of all you're lying to yourself it's 2022 um, yeah you do yeah <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I'm gonna make There's a no way around it. <laughs> we need we need like a little so- a song about lying to yourself because I think it'll come up a lot. Um, but but also we have all all seen some kind of mental suffering that we might call stress or we might call overwhelm or we might give it some other name, but it's still mental health, like you said, Corey. Yeah. Well, and the scope of practice question is really interesting to me because I think what we're going to talk about and what we're already talking about happens because of intimacy. And I think a lot of times, so, so we, we worry a lot as massage therapists about like, what if somebody sort of expresses like depressive depression, or, you know, maybe even something as far as like suicidal ideation or, you know, um, while they're on the table or somebody has an emotional release, everybody loves to use that phrase. Right. Um, and that we sort of, <laughs> We're taught, we're taught in massage school that like, you're not a healthcare provider. You have to refer out at this point, you know, uh, and besides the fact that it's absurd to imagine that a person would start crying on your table, you would stop the massage and say, I can't help you because I'm not a mental health professional. Here's my friend's phone number. You should call this person right now. Like, is and please leave, please leave. Bananas. Yeah. <laughs> you are the person who needs to seek psych email if that's how you react, right? But I think that it is, it happens because the work we do is intimate. It happens because people feel safe and comfortable with us. And mm-hmm. I think for lots of healthcare providers, like there's this, you know, I, I, I remember since we're t- talking about the COVID related um, mental stresses. I remember in August of 2020, sitting in my primary care physician, my primary care provider's office and just sobbing hysterically. And it is terrible to say I was wildly impressed that she just sat there and calmly absorbed it and didn't immediately reach for like a mental health referral or whatever, that she really made space for me to have what is of course a very human August, 2020 reaction Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the life that you are suddenly finding yourself in. And, and I, but I think it's a sad commentary that that was surprising to me that I had a healthcare Mm -hmm. provider who was able to do that and who made that space for me. And I cried with her because I was comfortable with her. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it is sort of to her credit that I even felt like safe enough to have that reaction. And then for her to have received it well, compassionately, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. without sort of jumping to the next referral or the next thing or, or a solution even. Um, I, I think that, you know, we have to acknowledge the, the role of intimacy here and that we don't want to take intimacy out of healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious about something. I want to explore that more, but I'm also curious that, um, when you said emotional release, Carrie, um, Corey, your eyes rolled so far back. I think they're in Chicago now. <laughs> um, I think they were so, the other direction, so they're probably in Canada, but yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, so what? Okay, my issue is with the that. words emotional release. Yeah. Okay, so. And now you know, I'll know how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> Quiet person. I now. think that the words emotional released when used in continuing education and amongst many massage therapists are 
it's okay. It's kind of weird, but like, it's sort of like other people talking about orgasms, right? Like, like it's a goal. And when you get it, like you got the big one and good job for you. And aren't you amazing for pulling this out of a person, which is sort of like how it's discussed, right? It's not sort of like a, oh God, this thing happened. And now I need to deal with it. It's like, yes, I made it. I am a massage therapist. I did it. And considering how little training anybody's got in mental stuff, like at all, the fact that that is even a goal of any kind is horrifically awful. Like, no, no. If something like that happens on your table, like A, you need to be prepared for it, which I can almost guarantee you're not. Um, B, you need to be calm about it, which you're probably not going to be. And C, it is not a, like, it's not being in soccer and getting a goal. Like that is not what just happened. And it's certainly not about you. Like it's not your magical hands. It is not your magical presence. It is not, it's not any of those. Like maybe your, I guess, magical hands and presence contributed to the person feeling comfortable enough for that to happen. But like, it didn't come from you. It came from the person on your table and that person is naked and real upset. Like this is not a hooray birthday party moment. And Mm -hmm. it is very much treated that way. And people talk about, they have war stories about it. And all this time, this one time it happened to me and this is what I did. And I was so great about it. And like, it's all backwards. It's so backwards. So every time that phrase comes up, I'm like, oh, here we go with the crazies. Awesome. And I don't mean the person on the table. (laughs) I mean the person next to it. Yeah. Well, I, I want to, in a very um, awkward and lumbering way, connect that back to, to intimacy, because I, I, I think that something that happens um, with massage therapy, with practitioners um, around emotional release is this, this sort of race to create a, an intimacy um, that is not therapeutic, yeah. um, not real. Um, and is, is all about, um, someone sort of someone's, um, bragging about their skills. I, it, seriously, Corey, you said orgasm. And now I'm like, that sounds like this guy I used to know. No, that sounds like this guy. I used right. To know. So it's, it's, it's like, really, I think the parallel is a pretty good one. Um, because you have this person who's trying to create maybe not consciously, but is what open to creating an experience of quote unquote intimacy that's actually really invasive and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And I feel like inauthentic, like the not real part, Rebecca, I think is really key uh, because I do think, I mean, again, I'm, I'll tell another story about me crying. Um, the first time I ever got a professional massage I was, uh, I was in my early twenties. I was in a real bad place. Like I was, I was kind of an emotional wreck. I was drinking and doing a lot of crazy stuff and I didn't have any money. And, you know, I just had my body hurt all the time. And so I went to a place that like, you know, was a chain before massage chains were kind of a thing. Franchises were a big thing. And, um, so I now in retrospect can tell you I am certain the person who was my massage therapist was maybe, maybe the same age that I was. She was probably younger than I was. (laughs) And I was Mm -hmm. 22 or something. Um, uh, She was clearly, again, in retrospect, fresh out of massage school. And she kindly 
put her hands on my body and I started weeping and she did not know what to do. She clearly got real nervous and she asked me, which again, I now know she was trained to do if she should stop massaging me. And I said, oh God, please don't stop. And she said, well, okay, but you know, are, are you okay? Like what's happening for you? And I said, I just can't believe you're being so nice to me. And I don't even know you. And you don't, you don't even want anything from me. And I just kept crying. And I kept saying that over and over again. I don't have to do anything. And finally, to her credit, she said, well, I mean, you are paying for this. <laughs> you're gonna tip me right (laughs) okay Uh, on the nose my friend like there's an authentic response like I don't know you like we don't have this what what you triggered in me was as you said Corey all about me (laughs) Um, and I do think that we should kind of remember that there I think it's a sticking point for a lot of massage therapists and another place where we want to like remove ourselves from other healthcare. It is a transactional relationship. Mm-hmm. This is my job. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we, and even the clients whom I genuinely love and who I saw for, you know, decades and had a relationship with that I, w- I would describe, you know, when they are in my treatment room on my table, I'm at work we have a transactional relationship happening here. And I I think that that, to me, that adds to the stickiness that you're talking about, Rebecca, and the the sort of tricky, slippery slope of the intimacy of your relationship. Yeah. It's, I I can, I can um, feel the emails are coming about, about transactional emails coming. I'm sorry. I, I just feel like singing today. I apologize to everyone in podcast land. Um, but it, it, about the transactional relationship, because yeah, it, we, we do a thing and people pay us to do the thing. And that is how we make our living, um, or part of our living or whatever, or used to make our living. Um, and, and it's, it's, it, what's challenging to me is yes, this is true. And the nature of what we do um, and probably I think the nature of who we are, people who are drawn to this profession, really is um, at least simulates uh, like loving, caring relationship that is not transactional. Um, and it's, it's really hard to um, live in that space um, in a way that is both authentic and um, can we find a better word than boundaries, but, but keeps you, you know, keeps you and your client safe from entanglements. But, you know, I mean, CNAs are wiping people's butts. I mean, they are, they are washing genitals and they are cleaning the body and, and trying to make people comfortable. I mean, nurses are doing this. I, I really think that, that we have, we haven't invented this idea that somehow our job is more intimate than other healthcare providers. Well, it's, it's in our training. See, I don't, I don't know. I have not been to nursing school or to CNA training. So um, please let me know if this is totally off, but I don't get the sense that CNAs and nurse and nurses spend as much time as massage therapists do in their uh, limited 
schooling, talking about, um, you know, being present and open and, and you know, uh, using the language of relationship um, to describe what is, what is happening. Yeah, so, that's a great point. Yeah. I'll bet, I'll bet you're right. Yeah. So I always had a sense and feel free to write letters. This could be totally off, but like, I think the way that I always divided it in my head is that my time is what you are paying for. And my kindness isn't part of that. Like you're paying for minutes and it is my job to provide the other things, but I don't consider that part of the money transaction. I think that's how my brain separated it out because it is really hard to be like, give me dollars for my kindness. Like that's an odd thing to ask of people unless you're a grifter and I don't want to be a grifter and I don't think any, well, I don't think most massage therapists do. <laughs> so putting dollar amounts on kindness and feeling and openness and, you know, letting somebody sob on your table because you're not asking something of them, right? Putting money against that seems icky, um, but my time is worth money. So that's where we go with that. That also, I will absolutely admit, gives me room in my um, boundary forming to be like, oh, you're an asshole and you're treating me like a servant. So <laughs> you're paying for my time and like, that's about all you're going to get. And yeah. I'm going to give you the best, like all the techniques and knowledge and everything that I have, I'm going to use for you. But like the rest of me, not happening. Like, and we will shake hands and you will go home and hopefully you will feel better. But yeah, not extending the rest of that. Yeah, there's, there's something in this about, I'm reading this book now called The Gift by uh, Lewis Hyde. Um, have either of you read or heard of? Mm -mm. So it's, it's about, um, it's specifically about artistic exchange um, and, you know, artists and creatives and how they get their word out there and, and survive. Um, but in the first half, he does this whole kind of theoretical breakdown of gift economies, like as opposed to our, our economy, which is capitalist and transactional. And um, I'm going to go ahead and add dehumanizing in there. Um, but gift economies that are all about relationship and that it's um, that the exchange of goods and services is about the building and maintaining of relationship as opposed to the acquisition of, you know, or a power over or whatever the values are um, in a capitalist economy um, or other kinds of economies. And I wonder if part of what, um, what makes this so sticky for many of us, for many people who are, who, who are doing massage or, or even um, nurses, CNAs, healthcare, other um, healthcare professionals is the, the, so much of the nature of our work is in the sense of a gift. Like you said, Corey, you're paying for, for these 60 minutes, but my kindness and my actual genuine care about what is happening in your life is extra that's a gift and and the nature of a gift economy you know you give a gift and it doesn't live with that person right like i buy a pair of shoes they live with me they're mine they're my shoes nobody touches them i have gigantic feet anyway nobody wants them but <laughs> but in the nature of a gift if you're given a gift then that gift keeps moving through the economy 
So like the gift, maybe this is just a theory being formed in the moment. So maybe like the, the gift of our kindness and our caring and our like genuine, no agenda, um, being sweet to someone's body and accepting their body as it is, is something that keeps moving or we hope keeps moving through the economy and the nature of how that person shows up to the next person they see. Um, and I wonder if that's part of what makes it sticky because we also have to pay our rent, right? And, and buy our groceries and stuff. I think for me too, this speaks to a sort of cultural or societal deficit of just kindness for kindness sake and making space for each other's vulnerability, uh, that it, it is a rare occurrence that someone certainly that somebody makes physical contact with you without any sort of sexual agenda <laughs> with your mm -hmm. naked body, without any sexual agenda. Right. Or that, uh, um, and I, but I think that even on a broader, like you said, Corey, I think it's, it's rare that we show up with our whole selves to other people in any context. And so I do think that when people are ill or in pain, you know, seeking healthcare, massage therapy being healthcare, sorry, people write your letters. I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that they are in a vulnerable state and we are not accustomed to having our vulnerable states welcomed, accepted, made space for. We're not used to doing that for other people. You know, I, we, we have a joke, not a joke in heal well classes about how you're, if someone starts crying, you're not allowed to hand them a Kleenex. Uh, and the idea behind it is that so often when we ha hand a Kleenex to someone who is crying, we are first of all, trying to fix, right? I did a thing. I fixed this person's crying, but we're really also trying to mitigate our own discomfort. Your upset upsets me and I want to stop it from happening. And so here, take this Kleenex, pull yourself together, right? Is what I'm really saying underneath my, I'm worried about you, you know, getting boogers on your shirt. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, um, I, I think that we are as humans, not good at making that space. And so it does feel unique when it happens. It feels exceptional. Uh, and it feels like we need some kind of special training to know what to do when our kindness or just our presence or just not us, as you said, maybe it's not even about you when someone in our presence becomes vulnerable. And, and I think that that's, you know, whether that is by crying or by expressing thoughts that are worrisome to other people, um, or by behaving in a way that's weird, you know, I, I think that it's, I struggle with the idea that we need somehow special training. I feel like we just need human training. I think well, part of the special training idea though, has to do with like red flags and the way that we see people for years at a time, like you could have a client for 20 years, right? And you are probably the only healthcare practitioner that has spent even close to that amount of time with that person. So you get to know them over time. And if things start going south for them, you're probably going to know because they're probably going to tell you. And even if they don't tell you directly, 
you've known that person for so long, like, you know, something's up. So if you know, something's up and you know, this person, and you know, this isn't regular for them. Now, what do you do? What's the next step? And when is it not even a step anymore? But like, when is it a flag? When do they need to get help? Like really, really soon. Um, like <laughs> if you have a client and you're working on them and you notice that they have cuts on their forearm suddenly, like what conversation do you have? Do you have a conversation? How do you do it? Do you do it when they're clothed? Probably. Like, but how many of us had that conversation in massage school? We didn't, I didn't have that conversation ever. We didn't talk about mental health, except that, you know, you were helping people's mental health <laughs> in a very research driven hypotheses kind of way, but not in a, this is what that actually looks like. And this is the kind of responsibility that that puts on you conversation never happened. And as a person who has a lot of mental health struggles, like that's one of the reasons I don't get massage. I don't trust anybody to be able to handle it if something happens. And I don't know if something's going to happen. Like sometimes it's fine and sometimes it's not. And if it's not, what happens after that? What happens in your treatment room? What happens in your waiting room? Who do you call? What's going to happen? I don't know. And that's terrifying. So I'm not going to pay 80 bucks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just to I roll the dice. I read too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think those are great points. And, and it struck me as you were talking, Corey, that we do spend a lot of time in massage school talking about how to know when to refer out for a physical mm -hmm. issue that we can't handle. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that, again, sometimes that is over time. I have seen you and your painful shoulder for this many sessions. And we have tried these different things. And now I think maybe you need some imaging, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe this is, and, and again, not because this is beyond my scope of practice, but because I can't help you with this. The work that I do isn't going to be enough. Um, and I wonder if, certainly I wonder if we could learn and teach massage therapists and other healthcare providers to have these conversations about mental health flags that we're seeing or changes that we're seeing the way that we would talk about physical issues with a, with a patient or client. Um, and uh, that we, yeah, that we get comfortable with our own discomfort. Because this is really what happens is that when you see something like cuts on a patient, like bruises, uh, you know, or they say things that are alarming to you, I, we, we panic inside. I mean, even if we keep, kind of keep it together outside, I know I certainly was always like, whoa, no. <laughs> uh, and that, and that how do we, yeah, how, how do we do that gracefully? And how do we really sit in our own discomfort with not being able to, with not being able to help with something that feels like we should be able to help? Yeah. Well, and another thing that, that um, to add on to that, Carrie, that I, I don't think that many of us, I think that many of us are challenged by is um, kind of, accepting and, and admitting when our, even if we do like reach out and try to help in a way that's potentially useful, doesn't mean that anything's gonna happen. It doesn't mean that anything's gonna change. Like I'm um, remembering this, this um, 
client that I had very briefly who was, um, well, he disclosed that he was being treated for pretty severe depression um, and would have, you know, periods of remission and, and um, flare-ups. I don't know what the correct mm -hmm. terminology is, but um, claimed to be, said he was in, in a period of remission. Um, but, you know, I saw him one time and the next time I saw him, he had clearly not bathed um, for a while. Um, and like a flat affect and all the things that are like in the textbook um, about, and um, you know, the, the way that he spoke was different. Um, and honestly, I had no idea what to do. Um, so what I did was nothing. Which and, might've been a good decision. I mean, if you don't know what to do, then. Right, right. Well, see, that's, that's what I struggle with. It might've, might have been. A good decision and there is this part of part of me that still that even after years of Hillwell indoctrination that still kind of wants to fix people you know or at least be a part of the solution mm -hmm. um, I think that's the human condition mm -hmm. i don't think that's unique to healthcare or massage therapy or healers or caregivers or whatever we want to call ourselves like mm -hmm. i i don't I mean, we're pack animals. We are wired for some level of, again, your discomfort equals my discomfort, you know? So I want that to go away. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that we, I think we, in some ways we just make too much of it. Like that we, it feels scary, I get it. But you really can just say, I'm concerned. This is what I'm seeing. You know, just like we say, you know, if you find a lesion on a client or patient's back, I have a concern. This could be something or it could be nothing. I'm concerned about it. Are you concerned about it? Have you noticed, have you noticed this happening? You know, um, and, and I think we can, uh, I, that feels scary. That feels like a big step, but I don't think it really is because then the person gets to sort of blow you off in a way that then you take the hint in most cases. I mean, if we're talking about something like I'm talking about hurting myself or someone else, okay, maybe not then. <laughs> um, but if we're talking about like flat affect, you know, you don't seem to be caring for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. you know, this is what I'm seeing, you know, just like we would say, like, I'm seeing this mole. It looks like maybe it's changing, you know, do you know about this? Do you think maybe it's worth having somebody else who specializes in this look at it? Um, I think that that we, yeah, I think that we we get so bogged down in this. Um, I, I'm really passionate that massage therapists creep out of their scope all the time and it makes me mental. But this isn't a place where I think you're creeping out of scope. This mm -hmm. is a place where you are observing as a healthcare provider your job is to pay attention right? <laughs> and to look at what the, the patient is presenting to you. And, and the, it isn't out of scope to say, this is a thing I'm seeing, or this is a concern I have, you know, it is that it is creeping out of scope to say, have you tried putting thieves oil on it? Right. Or, you know, <laughs> do you want to tell me about your mother? Right. Like, outside more. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. You know, like, your face in the sun. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tell me about your relationship with your husband. Yeah. Okay. Now we're getting out of, out of scope. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 
but I, I think that 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 is a, a muscle worth developing. Um, and, and again, I, I know I'm broken recording here, but it's about just being uncomfortable yourself yeah. a bit. Can I, can I, I change topics slightly? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So about the being uncomfortable thing. Yeah. Um, there, I found out this week that there's a, a franchise in Michigan that is um, installing panic buttons in their treatment Wait. rooms. Come on. What? Come yep. on. Um, it's an experiment for them. Um, and somebody asked about a thing and they were like, is this a legal requirement? And I was like, not that I know of, unless it's a weird municipality thingy, because then that Michigan's kind of strange with their cities and towns. Um, but I was like, no, I don't, it's not a state thing for sure. Uh, what's going on? And they were like, I don't know. They just said that they're going to be, it's for um, both the clients and the therapists. And I guess everybody will know about it. And like, uh, there were a bunch of names tossed around for it. And I was like, it's a panic button. Like it's probably red. Um, <laughs> just leave it there. Uh, Where is this button that it's for the client and for the therapist? And for the therapist. So if the therapist right. feels threatened or the client feels threatened then someone can it's push so the button. It's somewhere where you could push the button if you were lying face down on a table. I assume it's on the table. That would be my guess. Um, I don't, I don't know for sure. I, I, I know pictures or details <laughs> wow. or any of those things. It was just a thing that someone was like, Hey, what's up? Um, and my first thought was like, wow, this is, this is like putting your finger in the dam, right? <laughs> like, just watching four other streams of water pop out around it. Like that's the most cartoony solution to a problem I've ever seen in my life. No, it's like putting your finger in the dam next to the dam that's naked. <laughs> right. It's not even. It's not even, it's not yeah. even addressing, or it's not even, it's, it's neither no. addressing nor like confronting any problem that it is trying to solve it's like no I I, I was like what how I mean it's just another reason for massage therapists not to take soft skills classes right well there's a button like, I am so glad yeah, I am so ahead. glad that Cal Cates is not here right now <laughs> I just, I'm sorry you want to hear about some letters people we're going to get letters from Cal is what's going to happen from this uh, I hope that we do I think you know if we can turn if we can like play this part for Cal Cates and have them do a 10 minute rant maybe Patreon yeah, I Patreon. someone asked me what I thought about it and I was like I this solves no no problem like no problems and creates mm -hmm. so many more yeah and and then I could only think of like the arguments that people would use about it right like oh well clearly it's the sex workers fault like so we'll just start there and <laughs> um like and someone else was like how is your front desk staff trained like at all right are they trained at all for any conflict of any like is there anything and what I was happens? like how is this protecting anybody it's massage therapy business's job to protect everybody so how does this yeah. protect anybody what happens when you press the button? I don't know. That was my question. I don't know. <laughs> Does an alarm go off? Like, right. Is, is it a is big it, cat buzzer? Like, there's a light. No. Out, there's a light outside the treatment room that it says curve and who's that just starts flashing. Answer. Is that a, is that a manager's job? What if all the lights are going off at once? What if the whole thing malfunctions and you just have naked people everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> naked people in the streets. It's just waiting and outside. Like, so, so, okay. I mean, I am, I am certain that like in, um, 
uh, inpatient care settings for people who are hospitalized for mental health issues. Okay. I, I am sure there are things like that for the staff, mm-hmm. right? That will call security or mm-hmm. somebody, the police. And they're trained to answer, yeah. And they're trained yeah. to answer. Right. Um, but like, can you think of any other healthcare setting where that would be a thing? Like Even thought of? Even yeah. thought of? I mean, this, it blows my mind. And, and I say this as somebody, I had a, a client have a psychotic break on my table in my treatment room to the point that I was physically frightened and I fled the room. And I still think this is a terrible idea. <laughs> this is the worst thing I ever heard. I, they're not, I know they're not the first and I know they're not the only. Um, I don't know about if it's in our state or others, but it's not like they didn't come up with this on their own for sure. But I was like, I'm talking about just ignoring stuff. Yeah. That sounds like somebody who didn't read the question. Right. (laughs) I wonder what the question was actually that led to this like solution. Oh, this, this reminds me of in high school, we had this, this history teacher who would never explain the questions on the test. And you, if you brought up the test to her, she would just say interpretation of the question is part of the test. And her questions were things like Abraham Lincoln, True. Wow. <laughs> That's a writing prompt, not a question. Human male. I don't know. Um, but this no. is this no. is like somebody did not interpret the question. Or is asking the wrong one. Maybe yeah. I, I'm not really, I like, there's a lot. So there's safety of a lot of people, safety of the franchise. <clears throat> Suability is definitely in that mix. Um, uh, money is hugely in that mix, right? They are franchise. Um, and we talked earlier about like money things and my time versus my emotion. Like what emotion does that button bring into that room? Like Mm -hmm. that might not have been there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like what did you just introduce? You're being oriented at your new job and they're like, here's where we have a panic button. Here's where Mm -hmm. the panic button is. Yeah. Like, and if you're a new therapist, which franchises tend to hire new therapists, like Mm -hmm. what, like that, that sounds like a three-year burnout to me instead of a five. Like, yeah. What uh, does that do to your, the the your idea of your job? Right. And And what you're allowed to do. And like, and that's no, like, there's no information about how do you talk to a client that you have, are having a communication issue with? Like, we just don't have conversations. We just push a button. And I just, I, I, I know I'm circling back around and we sort of just said this, but like, I am also trying to imagine myself as a client. If this button is also for me, that means when I walk into this treatment room, mm-hmm. somebody says, and here's There's the a possibility button. that I might. If you need, like. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I. I'm, I'm I'm kind of speechless. Flabbergasted. Yeah, it took me. I had to think about it a while before I responded yeah. to anybody on that one. Yeah, that's. How, and how does this even help us? How does it help anything? I yeah. I don't know. We are so afraid of sex. Oh my god. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, just, we oh. may we get into that um, on a future episode. A topic definitely. for another day. A topic yes. for another day. But yes. Wow, humans get a handle on yourselves. I just problem problem solving. Like we need to work on our problem solving and apparently our question asking it would appear Yeah, in all forms. So when someone has a psychotic break on your table, (laughs) what questions 
are immediately important. Your I safety get, is immediately important. I get that you cannot cover everything in massage school. Right. Because you have to go to massage school for 15 minutes and then you're a licensed massage therapist. Well, Congratulations. Cover everything in nursing longer. school either. It's, true. Know. True. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we could we could use. I would, I would advocate for a couple more hours of training. This is a problem we don't have an answer for. That's the other thing about massage school. Like there's, we don't have that conversation other than we're not sure how to take insurance or how to get them to take us. That's a question that we don't have an answer to, but the rest mm-hmm. of them were like, yeah, we pretty much got it figured out. It's fine. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> and actually the insurance question isn't that hard. We did figure it out. We don't want to. We don't mm-hmm. want to. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's too hard. They don't pay. End us, of story. So, eh. <laughs> and done. I'm sleepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's Ed, that makes me wonder, like, how much of our curriculum? It's been a minute since I've been to massage school, and, and I was older, so I think was a little yeah. bit um, immune to some of the fear mongering stuff, mm-hmm. having a little bit more life experience under my belt. But like, how much of our curriculum and how much of our the professional lives are geared towards this is what you need to be afraid of. I can, I'm thinking of a, a friend and colleague of mine who is an amazing therapist. I've had work from this person and it's some of the best work I've received ever. Um, and because we're friends, we talk a lot about being massage therapists and the, the language that this person uses around what they do is so fear-based, which I would never know having received work from them, um, but also we're friends. So there's something, some kind of safety in that, but that there's so much about, yeah, you, I, you never know who's coming in and you have to protect yourself. And I have this measure in place and this measure in place, and this is what I carry in my bag. And this is um, what I, you know, it's unbelievable how much, maybe if we spent less time fear-mongering, we could have those extra 10 or 100 or so hours that we need to learn what we actually need to know. And what we don't know, Mm -hmm. but we just don't have a solution for. Mm -hmm. And that humans don't have a solution for, Mm -hmm. right? Like this is not unique, that, that, that mental health is hard for everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. the mental health care providers I know will tell you it is hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that they that there are mistakes that get made, and that there is uncertainty in when to intervene and when not to. Um, so I think that we really have to own that. Yeah, maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe that it's not doesn't have a clean solution like lesions do. Like you see well, that funky looking lesions. mole, and you're like, that's a funky looking mole right there. But yeah, but then you see someone mentally struggling and you're like, that's uh, yeah, 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 off, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we don't like the grays, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, and I tend to think that our, our approach to physical issues or physical things, um, that we've taken out the gray that is really still there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, is that as I have. This one of my favorite conversations I ever had when I was teaching foundational massage and we were talking about, you know, what do you do what, like different marks on the body? What do you do? And someone said something about, well, if I see someone who has bruises on their legs, then I know that they're being abused. And I said, well, what if they're just kinky? And they're like, oh, 
you know? Right. Because there's there's gray there, you guys. I mean, maybe you're right. And it's worth saying I'm concerned. Um, but maybe they yeah. bruise easy and they run into like maybe they have other sandals. Come on. You don't know yeah. where stuff is and you hit it and you bruise. Like yeah. Yeah. Not, not abuse, I, just problems. I can once again, man, you guys, my job is weird. I <laughs> <laughs> I had a client and I had that conversation because she had bruises and really weird cuts all over mm. her body. Mm. And only the, it was only the second time I saw her. I worked in a setting that was not my private practice. It was a real weird setting. Um, but I, I was concerned and I, I said, you know, I, I'm worried about this. And she said to me, my job is that I, um, get naked uh, at parties and I am suspended from the ceiling by hooks or straps oh, or things okay. yeah. in yeah. my skin and around my wrists and ankles and around my neck. And like, that's my job. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, which was, it turns out what, why she was having the neck and shoulder pain that she was having. That well, that was informative. For which she was seeking a massage, which we had the conversation <laughs> that like actually information that would have been useful to me yep. from a soft tissue perspective, not only yeah. from my concern about your injuries or what I perceive as injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was uncomfortable. It was a very weird conversation to have with another how, person. How but did you know she deliver it? I have to say like, oh, blah, totally. Zay. This is, this is my gig. Like I'm a barista at Starbucks, like whatever, like, and and she actually used a lot more lingo than I just used to explain what her job was. And she even told me the name of what her, her job was. That was a, I was unfamiliar with completely. Um, so, uh, so it was actually super uncomfortable because what she said was, oh, I'm a blah, blah. And I had to then say, I don't know what that is. And then she (laughs) explained in great detail what that was. And I was like, oh, Okay. So, um, I understand your neck now. Thank you. Now I get your neck and shoulder. And actually, if you told me that the first time you saw me, I, I would have treated you differently. I, my treatment on my hands. Yeah. My yeah. Hands. yeah. Right. I would not have treated I would have you aimed differently. differently. I would have You're aimed fine. Differently. You're fine. Yeah. And especially if I knew you were going to just keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that this is your job. Yeah. Right. This is a different situation. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. Bruises can be anything people. Right. But just you have, you do have to ask, and that's just part of your gig. And be ready for the answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, did we fix it? Did we solve it? Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> we haven't been doing this as long as Slash School yet, so we still got some time. It's fine. about 60 hours of this podcast so we have like what 600 more to go uh oh uh, less than that what, 625 <laughs> is the recommendation so we're under 500 550 most, most states yeah. only require 500 so yeah. boom <laughs> oh my lordy goodness well uh yeah more training we keep coming back to more training and but I'm also interested, as you said, Rebecca, like CNAs, nurses, like actual mental health care providers. I want to hear from you people who go to school for a really long time. Do you feel like you got prepared? Yeah. 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 I, I, I welcome your letters and your thoughts. And I mean, even record us a voice memo or something and email yeah. it to us at podcast at healwell.org and uh, let us know if we can play it. 
I'm going to go retrieve my eyeballs from Canada though. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Canada, you know, you never it's know what to do with your eyeballs. They might like, you know, take them to a free health clinic and get them mm. new glasses. Or Lavaged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. This has been another super fun episode of interdisciplinary um thank you corey thank you carrie for being here with me today um if you want to continue this conversation we are having this conversation and lots of other interesting conversations in the heal well community which is uh community.healwell.org yep or um, healwell.org slash community if you just heal put healwell.org and community in the same url you'll find us yes Absolutely. Yeah. So in this, uh, the rest of March, which is almost over, we're continuing our discussion about apologies and what makes a good apology and how you know it when you see it and how you know and it when you deliver it. Yeah. We start forgiveness in a couple of days as well. Yes. And forgiveness in a couple of days. We're going to have a special guest at office hours on March 24th. Um, so... A mental health care provider. Exactly. So, so if you have questions, please bring them. Please do. Um, an amazing mental health care provider <laughs> and check out our patreon at patreon.com slash interdisciplinary send us an email at podcast at heal healwell.org we do read your emails and we want to hear from you um good bad ugly or otherwise send us pictures of your pets and thank you very much for listening and supporting interdisciplinary and we'll be in your ears next week bye Interdisciplinary is produced by Healwell. Our theme music is by Harry Pickens. New episodes are available weekly through your favorite podcast outlet. Uh, and you can send us an email at podcast at healwell.org. That's podcast at healwell.org. Thanks for listening.